This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. You're tuned into Kelly and Ramia on AMI-tv, AMI-audio, or wherever you listen to podcast platforms. We just came out of a mental health conversation with Mike Fair, specifically about the Calm app that you can find and pay for on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. And uh, I guess we'll be getting into another mental health conversation now, Kels. Yeah, a lot of stuff on the program today. Please keep in mind, folks, we're, we're, we're here with you and here with us from the UK for her bi-weekly check-in, Fern Lullum. What's on your mind? I'm Fern Lullum from the UK, and whether serious, silly, or somewhere in between, I've got you covered. Let's face it, the most effective therapy is a chat with your bestie. Okay, Fern, wonderful conversation piece today, and something I think, well, I'm going to let you... I will kind of feel this out more, but my thought is a lot of time we talk about people not taking each other serious, but a lot of time we don't take emotional triggering serious. And that's what we're talking about today on the program and finding out how we can respond differently to it. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. This is a term that I think we hear more and more now, don't we, to be triggered or yep. a trigger warning yep. or I've been triggered. And I think that kind of links into what you've just said there, Kelly, because when this psychobabble comes into the mainstream, it can have two effects. It's kind of a double-edged sword. So on the one hand, it can be great because it means more people are talking about it. But on the other hand, sometimes it kind of diminishes the effect of the the term and actually how much it means to people. So let's delve into this and figure out if you're experiencing triggering, what can you do? Okay, Fern. So let's start with first things first. What is that emotional trigger? Yeah, so emotional triggers are basically everywhere and they can be pretty much anything. So essentially what an emotional trigger is, is it's any sensory experience that reminds you of a past event or experience that you have had in the past. Um, And when you experience it, it will be quite intense, quite overwhelming, and it can happen just out of the blue, completely unexpectedly. So it can come over you and you're just not ready for it. So that's why it can be quite unsettling for some people. Mm -hmm. And complicated to identify. So can you give us some examples of common triggers and how they could be different from person to person? Yes. So like I mentioned, it's any kind of stimuli. So it could be like a a particular perfume or a fragrance that reminds you of an ex, for example, or it could be the smell of somebody's particular dinner that you used to have, you know, or it could be the feel of somebody's clothing when you give them a hug. It could be the way somebody talks, you know, kind of like the pattern of their talking or the tone of their talking or a certain expression that they use. It could be somebody's wallpaper that reminds you of you grandmother you know it could there's so many things that it could be and in terms of how it can affect us differently person to person it creates this emotional response in us but of course that intense emotional response will look different to different people so for some people it might look like rage you might get really really angry you might have a go at someone or you might storm out of the room it might you might get emotional in terms of you might get upset you might cry 
or you might be very quiet about it. You know, to the outward world, maybe people don't even realize that this is going on, but inwardly you can feel very uncomfortable. So the principle is the same, but how it presents can be quite different. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously sitting here, I'm thinking of things that I may feel have some kind of reaction like that to me, or whether it's a scent or something as you're talking for it. So what's the psychology behind emotional triggering? Well, emotional triggering all comes from this part of the brain called the amygdala, which you may have heard of before. It's quite a commonly talked about part of the brain. And it's kind of what we were referring to last time when we spoke about habits, you know, that unconscious part of the brain. And it's sort of our emotional center. And what the amygdala does, its job is to identify stimuli in our environment, to process threats. So basically it's always scanning our surroundings for any potential danger, and then to act activate the fight or flight response. And so you can see where triggering comes from because you've got this amygdala whose job it is, it's kind of like your little personal alarm system, your security guard that walks around with you going, oh, are we okay, are we okay? And then something happens and all of a sudden it just goes crazy and hence the intense emotional response. Right. We're not okay. Right. Exactly. We're not okay. Uh, so going back to identification and just knowing that you're having these emotional responses and it, from a trigger, how can we identify our own personal triggers? Well, this is all about getting really good at slowing down and just noticing what is happening to you. So in order to illustrate this, let me use an example. It's a completely hypothetical example, as always, nothing related to my own life. So let's say your partner, you know, not called Josh or anything, just your partner, whoever that might be, <laughs> um, they say something to you like, oh, just remember um, to take your mug out because we've got people coming around later. So just, just remember because it's just sat there. Completely, you know, innocently, didn't mean anything. Reasonable by it. request, yeah. Exactly. But you lose your mind over it, right? Because you think, how dare he speak to me like that? Does he think I'm incompetent? Obviously, I was going to take it out. God, he doesn't give me a second to just do it for myself. So all of this suddenly comes up in you. And after this, we have two options. We can either think, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm so ashamed of that. And, you know, why did I react that way? Probably fueled by the other person because defensively and, you know, fairly enough, they will probably say, God, what's your problem? You know, like I was only asking. What's, you know, what's your... This is, you know, this is going on in couples everywhere. Um, yeah. And oh, in yeah. families, yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Josh, I mean, you, I know, you've, I know you've only no, heard about us. it, right? <laughs> Yeah, everyone but us. I mean, we have no experience of it, but I'm sure everyone else, <laughs> you know, good. this is something that happens. And, and so we shame ourselves and we get so lost in that shame that we forget to be curious. We forget to actually just take a step back and go, hang on a minute, that really was quite a big response that I had to that. What did that remind me of? Did that remind me of when I was little and my parents never trusted me or, you know, just events through my life that have made me feel less than or made me feel insecure, like I need to, um, you know, stand up for myself and justify myself all of the time. What is happening here? What are the emotions that are coming up? And why am I responding in this way? And then once we're kind of aware that hmm, maybe this is something for me, the next time something similar comes up, we can have that flagged in our mind and we can go, ah, this is a pattern mm. for me. Maybe this is one of my triggers. And that's something we had to practice, though. <laughs> 
Yes, yeah. it is. It's not something that happens overnight. It takes a while. And being okay with it and making sure before you do that, apologize. Well, okay, maybe right after at least apologize. Uh, sorry, I overreacted uh, to that. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, not laughing. Yeah. Oh, I, I guess oh. apologies sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes is required. Sometimes helpful, right? happens twice in a row, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, over the but course possibly. of time. Why don't you just let me worry about my mug, right? Okay. Are there specific <laughs> techniques or strategies to manage emotional triggers, Fern? Yeah, the first one is, I'm quite proud of this one, by the way. Um, remember that this, what is happening to you is it's past pain that is making the present unpleasant, right? Easy way to remember right, it because right. it's a nice little rhyme. Past pain like making that. the present like unpleasant. That. Thank you. I came yeah, up that all by myself. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that like you appreciate song. it, Ramil. Um, exactly. Um, so that's that's how you can think about it. This is not what's happening now. And that kind of takes away the sting of the shame because you're not like, why did I react like that? That it's not it's nothing to do with what's happening now. It's reminding you of something that was horrible that happened to you when you were much littler, probably, and didn't have the same resources that you have now as an adult to cope with it so well. So have compassion for yourself. And to kind of mitigate the fact that this is something from the past, ground yourself in the present. So take a deep breath, you know, um, orientate yourself to your surroundings. So what, what does it smell like? You know, what does it feel like where, where you are right now? And also, you know, other techniques for grounding you can use is just um, go through one of your favorite nursery rhymes or your, the, the lyrics to one of your favorite, see if you can remember all the lyrics to one of your favorite songs, because that's quite a challenge in itself. Right. Get yourself back into that logical mind and, you know, out of that amygdala, fight or flight, get back into your logical mind where you've got to think about something and you can say, I'm here now, it's okay, I don't need to respond like this. And again, just having that moment to slow down and to just be kind to yourself and be curious about what, what is this bringing up for me and how can I respond differently? And can I maybe reshape the associations that I have with this thing so that I can diminish this trigger for future? So it doesn't, it isn't, doesn't produce such a big emotional response in me forever. And that's that muscle that I was referring to earlier, like muscle figuratively, right? But where we're practicing kind of taking ourselves out of the emotion or when the emotion passes to be like, whoa, where did that come from? Um, can, by doing this, Fern, your, your suggestion, can we unlearn or reprogram the way that we respond to emotional triggers over time? Yes, we absolutely can. And like I say, it takes a while. This is not something that happens overnight, so you've got to be patient with it. But the more you practice, like you say, flex that muscle and just find ways to, to kind of have new experiences, have different experiences with that thing. You need to become aware of what meaning you're assigning to this thing, because quite often it's the meaning that we assign to something more than the thing itself. So what story right. does this carry with it? What weight does it hold up for you? And once you can become aware of that, you can start to change that. And sometimes it's useful to do that with support, you know, maybe with a therapist or with a counsellor, just to walk you through that. And But over time, the more you do it, yes, it can certainly change. This is not something that you might be stuck with forever. Especially because we spent years having... doing it that way, you know, like being triggered, just letting our emotional roller coasters ride through. Uh, maybe the way that we grew up with our families, this is just like such a normal approach. And so we got to unlearn a lot of that, years and years yeah. of it. Yep. And it takes some time. Mm -hmm.
Burton, can having a disability influence a person's emotional triggers? It can. Uh, I would say, you know, as I always say, you know, not potentially for everyone, but I think there are certain unique challenges that we have as disabled people, like barriers to accessibility, the frustrations that we deal with on a daily basis, societal misconceptions about things, so that when somebody comes to us, again, quite innocently and says, can I help you? We go, how dare you? How dare you ask <laughs> yeah. if I do not need, you're assuming right. that I am useless and don't and can't, you know, and so there are certain things that we just need to be aware of and go, okay, is this a situation where I need to fight or flight? Or are, you know, is this person just being kind and they're yeah. trying to really do a nice thing? I do, uh, in that uh, same vein, want to ask, sorry, I know we're out of time, but really quickly, how do you recommend we approach and help someone who's experiencing an intense emotional trigger, especially if we can tell? Yes, do not shame them, validate them, support them by saying, you know, I, I've experienced this before. Intense emotion is quite normal. Don't make someone feel bad or feel like they've got a problem because they're experiencing this. Just listen to them and help them explore what's going on here in a really non-judgmental way. Awesome, Fern. Anything in closing real quick that we need to remember when it comes to being triggered? Well, we need to remember that this is past pain that's making the present unpleasant. I think that's very important. Um, and I think also to just say that asking for help in this situation is not a weakness. It can, in fact, be our greatest strength. So embrace mm. that. And Fern, don't knock any mugs over, okay? Just in case, you know, not that you would have the issue of Kelly, leaving any behind. She can but do it, Just right? in case. She'll do uh, it. You're triggering me. You don't, you don't want to have to do a cleanup, right? Or no, shall we say just You deal with your mug whenever you want to. Right. Fern, take <laughs> care. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a great show. <laughs> Fern Lullum joins us every other Thursday here on the program. Opposite, what in the world? It's questionable whether we practice validation on the show or not. But anyways, we're going to not spend some time on that. Take a break. Just be come, careful you don't knock your coffee over there. Come right? back. Be it's careful. empty just, just in case. And the dog's laying right there. Don't get him. Uh, speaking of dogs, after the break, we're talking about how scientists are proving that dogs judge humans by their competence. <gasps> dogs testing humans? Unheard of. We're going to talk about it on the bus with Beth Deer. We'll be right back. Look up. Start judging. Start judging. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.